organization called uh, ministrytochildren.com did a survey just recently. 400 adults who currently and faithfully serve as leaders within the children's ministry at an evangelical church. Here's what they found out. Two-thirds of the Christians that they uh, surveyed came to know Christ before the age of 18. 43% of them came to Christ before the age of 12. Now think about that. Think about that. Less than a quarter of them came to Christ after the age of 21. Here's the trend. Uh, that childhood is a life stage uh, when people are the most open to the gospel message. And as you get older, it's not impossible to get saved. I, I came to Christ when I was 18 years old. I've known people who came to Christ at 30 and 40 and, and, and even up into their 90s coming into a relationship with Christ. But the research shows, the trends show, that while not impossible, it shows us that the older people get, uh, the less open they are to the things of God. That is why there is a tremendous emphasis on ministry to students and ministry to children. We pour resources into those ministries. Um, you know, uh, it's because it's important. It's important. And some of you may say, well, what happens when, when kids miss that window? Well, Barna uh, tells us only a quarter of them, uh, the people who identify as Christian, were converted after the age of 21. It tells us children need to hear the gospel. And so we understand how important it is to have that godly impact on our kids and our students as well. Parents and grandparents, I want you to, want you to hear this. Those 400 ministry leaders that were surveyed, I want you to hear some more results of them. 50% of them, who are all dedicated believers, 50% of them said that their parents uh, was a part of or a help in their coming to Christ. 50% of them. Half of the people who came to Christ as children say that they were led to Christ by one of or both of their parents. And nearly a quarter of those people listed other family members as a factor that God used in bringing them to Christ. And so what, what all this data sort of, sort of confirms for us is that uh, it, it reminds us that parents and grandparents and family members, you are uniquely positioned to spiritually shepherd your children. I believe that scripture teaches us that God has designed the family, not the church, but the family as the primary mechanism of evangelism and discipleship of children and students and young adults. Now, I'm not saying that the church is not part of that. You are the primary person that has the primary responsibility for the evangelism and discipleship of your children and your grandchildren and in your, uh, in your family. And so as Paul closed out chapter 5, he was talking about matters of the family as it relates to the marriage relationship. As we begin chapter 6, he turns his focus onto the relationship that parents have with their children. And as he does, he instructs both parents 
and children. And when we say children, by the way, we're not just talking about the little ones. We're talking about, uh, uh, about parents and offspring uh, with the advice, at, at any age I mean, uh, with advice that is full of wisdom for believers of all age to be, be implemented into their lives. So I want to look at Ephesians chapter 6, starting verse 1, going down to verse 4. It says, Children, obey your parents as you would the Lord, because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it might go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the wisdom, Father, that is found in your word. Father, the, uh, the information, Father, the reflection that we see uh, Father, of your heart and who it is that you have created us to be. And Father, may we seek to be imitators of Christ. May we seek to be spirit-filled believers in all that we do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're talking about family matters because families matter to God. That's why these things are emphasized right here. First thing we see is a matter of obedience. A matter of obedience. Children Obey your parents as you would the Lord because this is right. Now, the word obey means to submit. Listen, it just means, especially when you're young, okay, as you get to be adults, that may be different, okay? We'll talk about that here in just a minute, but they may look a little different when you're an adult, but this is specifically talking about children who are under the authority of mom and dad, okay, you're not an adult, or maybe you are a young adult that is still under the, uh, um, under the care of mom and dad. I used to tell young adults and college students all the time, if mom and dad pay your bills, they make the rules, okay? I, I'm just, that's just the way it is. I'm not saying that they shouldn't, there shouldn't be some give and take there, um, but if you're living in their root, under their roof, you got to live by their rules. If you don't like it, get a job, get an education, get out and have your own place. And then you can make your own rules. Of course, that would also be uh, uh, under the, uh, the conditions and under the standards of God's word if you're a believer and disciple. But, 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 but children are to obey their parents. You know, Leah and I are always trying to emphasize to our kids the importance of obedience. You know, I used to hate it when I was a kid and my parents would tell me to do something and I'd say, why? And they would say, because I said so, <laughs> right? I used to hate that. And as I got to be a teenager and thinking about life, I thought, you know, when I get older and I have my own kids, I'm going to tell them, I'm going to make out this logical case, and they're going to understand why they shouldn't go out into the highway right in front of that Mack truck. They'll understand it because I'm going to tell them. But see, then I, I, I got older and I had kids, and life was busy, and, and sometimes the kids are talking and you can't even hear yourself think. You just know that something that they're trying to do is not good for them. You can't always 
think of the logical sort of scientific explanation of it all and you tell them not to do something and sometimes they're just inquisitive but sometimes they're just being annoying and rebellious and they say why and then I say because I said so and I think oh my lord I've become my dad and so you, you, you understand as you, as you get a little older uh, you begin to understand those things a, a, a little bit more. You know, when I was when I was younger, especially the smaller I was, the less I understood that the things that my parents were telling me to do or not to do were were for my benefit. Okay, um, you know, my parents used to always tell me we lived in Southwest Little Rock and. We had this little little yard over there on Wilderness Road in Southwest Little Rock. It was a busy street, and my, my parents used to always say, "Hey, don't get out in that road, okay? When you're playing out in the in the front yard, we had a real small front yard. It didn't have a fence around it or anything, and so they used to always say, "Now don't get out in that road." And and, and my parents and my brothers used to always say, "Now be sure you're looking both ways before you get in the road." And I just, just you know you hear that it goes in one ear out the other. Uh, if they're outside to make sure that you're doing it, you look both ways. But then there was that day uh, that the ball rolled out into the street. And I ran out into the street to chase that ball. And then and, and there was a, a, a 1970s model, model Chevy Malibu coming right at my face. Okay? And, and luckily, uh, the driver of that Chevy Malibu slammed on their brakes and stopped. And, and I'm telling you, I don't think you could have got a sheet of paper between my nose and the grill uh, of that car. I mean, but suddenly I was like, oh, I should not have ran out. I should have looked to see if something was coming, okay? You begin to understand those things. When I was younger, my parents, you know, especially when I began to drive, they, they really annoyed me because they would always say, you know, buckle your seatbelt, put your seatbelt on, and and today, maybe that's not as big of a deal. You, maybe students today, that's, that's a little more common. But, you know, coming, you know, growing up in the, uh, in, in the 80s, I mean, in the late 70s and, and through the 80s, uh, that was a time, and even in the early 90s, where you could, uh, uh, you know, you could, if you could fit, you know, you were on a long trip in the back of a car, and you could fit, you didn't have to get your seatbelt, uh, have your seatbelt on. You could crawl up behind the back seat and lay under the back windshield, you know, be stretched out there and take you a nap. It's it just people didn't think about that stuff. You could drive from Benton to Little Rock in the back of a pickup truck on the interstate. People just didn't say a whole lot about those things. And so coming from that culture, I always had this tension of kind of knowing I ought to buckle up, but being kind of annoyed about it. Uh, but when I was about 20 years old, uh, I was driving just down the street from my house, and a pine tree jumped out right in front of me, and I hit it. And guess what? I didn't have a seatbelt on. And, and that's where this scar on my head comes from, because I, I flew up and went through the windshield. I took my little steering wheel, bent up like a taco shell, okay, for me coming up and over it, all right? So I was thinking, okay, so mom and dad, not quite as dumb as I thought they were. Okay, and, and so uh, so we, we have to understand, uh, children, mom and dad love you. If mom and dad love the Lord, I mean, if you know they love the Lord, I mean, my goodness, why in the world would you not try to live your life by the standards that they set in place for you? Okay, do what you're 
told to do. Because mom and dad has been, or whoever's raising you, okay? Uh, some of you may not be raised by your biological mother and father. It's an aunt, an uncle, grandparent, whatever it might be, adopted uh, person, whatever it might be. But the people that God has given you to have authority over you, you need to learn to trust them because they have your best interest at heart. And, and just for free, you need to le learn to be able to live and respond to authority in your life. And so Paul says, children, obey your parents, I love this, as you would the Lord. Why? Because this is right. God gave us this commandment. He gave us this instruction uh, because he has given us parents and people to invest in our lives. And they're not given to you to make your life miserable. But if they are following the plan of God, their job is to mold you into a man or a woman who loves God and who will thrive in life. It's a matter of obedience. The next thing we see is a matter of honor. He says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. The word honor, it goes beyond obedience. You see, you can obey your mom and dad and not really have honor for them, okay? You can go and clean your room and still be thinking in the back of your mind, I hate her or I hate him. That's not honor for mom and dad. He says, not only should you obey them, but you need to honor them. See, listen, even as an adult, when, when they're not necessarily the, uh, the, the primary authority in your life, and, and, and maybe they're offering you advice and you have to decide whether or not to take that advice, and, and a lot of times they're going to give you good advice, but sometimes you know you pray about it and you think, Maybe I go in a different direction, and so you're not necessarily doing exactly what they've told you to do, exactly how they've told you to do it. You still have to honor them. You still need to show them honor. It means to respect them, to revere them, to hold them in high regard. It's talking about the attitude you have towards your parents. And so I'll ask students and adults who have parents still in their lives? Do you honor your parents? I'm not asking you if you, uh, if you do what they say just to get them to be quiet. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm asking you, do you honor them? How do you talk about them? How, how do you treat them? Do you talk back to them? Do you belittle their efforts to love you? Do you you know, I, I know that they get on your nerves, but do you honor them? Listen, when you learn respect in the home, you're going to grow up with, a, with a, a, a better ability to respect other people. And you will grow up uh, finding it easier for you to honor the authority figures that God will place in your life. Okay? You're probably going to have a job. And you're going to have a boss one day. And they're going to tell you sometimes to do things that you don't want to do. But if nobody can ever tell you something, sometimes your boss may, may give you some corrective instruction. And if you don't care about what they say, if they can't ever tell you, I know never going to let anybody tell me what to do, guess what? You're not going very far in life, okay? you got to learn to respect the authorities. 
you got to learn to honor them. And you got to learn to respect people. The more you, uh, you uh, honor the authority figures in, a lot, in your life, the easier it will be for you to honor God. So we got this thing up here. I want to give you some practical advice. This is for children, whether, whether we're talking about minors or adults, anyone that has parents still in their lives. Here are some practical ways that we can honor mom and dad. Do what they say, particularly, again, when you're in, that, when you're in their home and they're making the rules. Um, you know, do what they say. All right, honor them. Um, show them genuine thankfulness. Now, put that on there to show genuine thankfulness. So, some of you, it would be a big deal just to say to mom and dad, "Thank you for what you do," or to stepmom, stepdad, or aunt or uncle or grandparent. It would be it would be a, a big deal for you to just to say thank you. But boy. How much further would it go in their heart and how much more wind in their cells would it give them if you consistently showed them genuine thankfulness? So it's not just saying it because you think that you have to, but you are showing it to them because it's something that you genuine, genuinely, if I could say that, feel and experience. Now, I'm sure there's things that you wish were different about your parents, all right? Uh, but, but, but find the things that you're thankful for and make sure they know that you're thankful for those things. Another thing that I would say to do as students and young adults and, and grown folks, um, encourage your parents if you can. Find ways to encourage them. This is one of the ways that you honor them. It's to encourage them. Back in 2014, I had the honor and the blessing to lead to Christ, an eighth grade little girl that had been coming to our church. She came to a seventh grade middle school Christmas party. That was the first time I met her and, and uh, got to know her. She got involved in our youth group and got to lead her to Christ, got to stand in the baptism waters with her. She's an amazing young lady and uh, she just graduated high school this last May in Mississippi Graduated with a full ride to Mississippi State. Amazing, brilliant young lady. She was just the sweetest little thing. She, she was always at a, she went to camp with us. She went to Denal with us. She was at Super Summer with us. Uh, you know, even she moved away uh, to a different town because her dad was a football coach. He got a job uh, uh, about an hour away in a different town. They moved down there. She plugged into a church down there, got really involved, but still would come back and go to Super Summer with us, come back for Dean Al. I mean, it's just, just, just an amazing young lady, always looking for ways to encourage. Um, just a couple weeks, uh, just a little shortly after her uh, high school graduation, she, uh, she was in a car accident, uh, and, and she lost her life. Her name was Samantha. No, no alcohol, no drugs, anything like that stuff. Just one of those tragedies that happen when you live in a fallen world. Just a couple of weeks ago, her mama found a note that Sam had written her just randomly to encourage her before she uh, passed away. Of course, she had no idea that, that any of that was going to happen. But uh, uh, we put that up there. I know you can't read that, but I just wanted to show you. This is a picture that, that her mama posted of the handwritten note. I'm going to read part of it too. She says, Mom, I love you and just wanted you to know that. Here's a verse. And uh, she wrote to her mom, she wrote the entire chapter of Psalm 
46. Some of it, let me just read some of it to you. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth is removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the, though the mountains shake with its swelling, there is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God. And she goes on to write and, and just finish handwriting Psalm 46, signs that love Samantha, just because. Can you imagine the encouragement that that gave her mama when she first found that note, when Samantha gave it to her? But can you imagine the encouragement and the strength uh, that it brought her mama when she came across it a couple weeks ago, just a few months after her daughter's death. See, Sam was an encourager. She learned that because of her faith. Encourage your parents. You can. That's a good way to honor them. A few other things. Seek their advice. Seek their wisdom. Your parents, if they love you, they care about you. They want nothing more than to see you flourish in life. And even when they give you advice that you may not agree with and you may not take, it is tremendously honoring when you seek their advice, okay? I have in my life a council of wisdom. There are people in my life that I ask, I bounce things off of, I ask them what they think about this or that. Some of those folks are in my family. Some of them are in Leah's family. Some of them are pastor friends and, uh, and, and colleagues. But you need a council of wisdom. Make sure your parents, if they're able to be, put them in your council of wisdom. Get, get, get their advice. Be willing to forgive them. Mom and dad are going to mess up. They're going to step on your toes. They're going to overreact. They're going to underreact. Something's going to happen. Nobody's perfect. They're going to have to make some corrections themselves, be willing to forgive them, okay? That's a way to honor them. And tell them the truth. Tell them the truth. Good, bad, or ugly, tell it to them, okay? Give it to them straight. This is a way to honor them. It's not honoring to them for you to have to be deceitful. Next, Paul turns his attention to parents with a matter of nurturing. Look at the first part of verse 4. He says, Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up. Don't stir up anger in your children. Paul reminds us, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, Paul reminds us that parenting is a tremendous responsibility. I want you to understand that marriage and family, I believe, are the highest callings from God. Uh, your family is the highest calling you have for God. They are your primary mission field. Okay? You want to know God's will for your life? Find ways to invest in your family. Dads, don't, don't provoke your kids to anger. Now, now, I will say this. Mamas can do that too. Um, maybe he was addressing the men because, because the men were to be the overall leaders of their household. Maybe he was addressing men because the Ephesian Fathers were not doing really well at this particularly. I don't know. But I know that this is not limited just to daddies. This is mamas too. This is everyone who's raising kids. Do not provoke them to anger. 
You say, well, well, how do people provoke their children to anger? There's a lot of examples we could go through, uh, but I, I'll just list a few. Number one, the overbearing parent, okay, will provoke their children to anger. Now listen, if you're like me, you want to protect your kids above all costs, okay? You're going to be very cautious of, uh, of the things they listen to and the things they watch and the things that they're exposed to, you know, Leah and I are very cautious about the things that are being poured into the lives and the hearts of our, of our children. We, we decided years ago, even before we had children, that we would sort of fence them off from certain things. We have this little invisible fence, and, and when they're young, when they're, they're tiny, that fence is very small, but as they grow up, that fence extends a little bit because they have to learn how to be exposed to and process the things of this world, okay? It's important that they have those, uh, that capability so that while they're under your, your teaching and your tutelage and your direct influence, you can help them to navigate those waters, okay? And no, and I'm sure there's no one in here that would do this, but anytime you start talking about not being overbearing, there's always that parent out there that says, yeah, that's why. Uh, whenever, you know, my kids, uh, we just have parties at our house, and I just let the kids stay there and drink because I want them to, I just want them to drink in front of me so they won't get out and, and, and kill somebody on the car, you know, in a car. Okay, that's not what we're talking about, all right? The Bible calls that kind of thinking foolishness. Uh, if you want to know what the word foolishness means in today's language, it means that's a moronic thing to do. That's just being a moron, okay? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about training them, okay? And so there, there comes a time that as, as they get a little older that we got to extend the fence a little bit. And, 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 and more times than not, listen, if you hold on too tightly for too long, they're going to grow up as adults to be resentful provoked to anger against mom and dad and against the home they grew up in. There's also the neglectful and under-involved anything-goes parent. Uh, that's, the, that's the parent who takes more of a laissez-faire, hands-off kind of uh, approach to their parenting. Uh, you know, kids watch whatever they want. They do whatever they want. They eat whatever they want, whenever they want, everywhere they want. Uh, and when they become teenagers, they're they're given so much freedom that if you're lucky, you're not going to have to go bail them out of jail, but probably they're going to grow up with an overly entitled attitude in a generation where that's already a key characteristic of their generation. You're going to give them over to that if you take, take a very neglectful, hands-off, under-involved approach to parenthood. They could deal with issues of insecurity that, that comes to a a child who begins when they get older to realize that they've really been neglected and probably underloved and underserved by their parents who didn't take the time to really invest in them for whatever the reason. You know, a lot of people say, well, I don't want to mess my kids up. You know, I don't want them to be angry at me. I don't want them to be angry at God. And so I didn't make them go to church when, we, when, when they were little. I didn't make them go to church when they were teenagers. Let me ask you something. You make them brush their teeth. You make them get up and go to school. You make them put their clothes on when it's time to go to school. You let them eat candy all day. 
Do you, you let them play out in the middle of the interstate? No, you don't do that. Listen, that is, that is very, very foolish, a very foolish approach to parenting. Here's what's tragic. It's tragic that we live in a day when more parents are concerned about uh, the health of the, the, their kids' teeth than they are about the health of their spirit. See, godly parenting is not, it does not stir up anger in a child, but bad parenting will. Okay? Maybe you've seen uh, the ad that, that played recently and on the, uh, one of the recent presidential primary debates, uh, Mr. Ron Reagan. No, it was not President Ronald Wilson Reagan. Uh, it was his son, Ronald Prescott Reagan, who did a commercial for an atheist um, uh, nonprofit organization. He identifies himself as an, an unashamed atheist. He, he signs off by identifying himself in this way. Ron Reagan, not afraid of burning in hell. God help that man. Let me tell you something. I, I love President Ronald Reagan. I could tell you a lot of stuff about Ronald Wilson Reagan. But one of the things I can also tell you is that there came a day in Ron Reagan's life when he began to rebel and he refused to go to church when he was 12 years old. And Ronald Reagan, probably not wanting to provoke the young man to anger, just took a hands-off approach at that point and, and just hoped and prayed he'd figure it out. And I guarantee you today, if he could do things different, he would. If today he could listen to, uh, to uh, the words of the Apostle Paul and the words of Scripture, the full counsel of Scripture, and, and listen a little less to Dr. Spock. Some of you know who that is. Okay? He, he, would, he would make that trade in a heartbeat. Okay? We have to understand that if we take our hands off the wheel and our parenting, we're headed for a disaster. You don't, can't be overbearing, but you also don't need to be neglectful and underinvolved. And here's the third one I'm going to mention to you, the preferential parent. Okay? We see this in Scripture, especially the preferential parent. This is the parent who displays clear favoritism to one child over another. I know sometimes we joke about that, or you may joke about that with your kids, and it's all in good fun. I'm not talking about that joking around, but I'm talking about it is obvious. I mean, it, there is no question. Everybody knows who the favorite is. Uh, and, and you have to understand that that is a dangerous place to be as a parent. That is a way to provoke your children to anger. We see that in the Bible with, with Jacob, who was the favorite of Rebekah, and then Esau, who was the favorite of Isaac, and then Jacob repeats the same thing with his son Joseph, and so we, you know what happens to Joseph, his brothers sold him into slavery, and so we have to understand as parents, if we show favoritism, it, it, it turns them into very insecure adults with unhealthy relationships with their siblings. Don't stir up anger, but says, it says bring them up, and that word bring them up means to nurture them, Okay. Uh, it's to nurture them. If you nurture something or somebody, that's somebody that you cherish, you protect, and you're going to do what's best for them. You know, think about think about how you would nurture a plant. We got a lot of uh, a lot of people that plant gardens and have flowers, and this 
church. I, I'll just be honest with you. I love, I love fresh tomatoes. I love pretty flowers. Uh, but, uh, but I am not the one that you want to give a plant to if you want it to live, okay? I, I don't have a green thumb. I have a brown thumb, okay? I, I can plant it in the ground. I don't have any idea if that's where it's supposed to be or not. I can water it every once in a while, but I just, I just don't understand it. I mean, I've not been trained in that way, but if you spend time with some of the folks in our church, uh, like Miss Rachel Jones and, and Reverne, those are ladies that know how to, uh, to raise plants. Those of you that understand plants, you understand that, that there are certain places where you can plant something where it will grow and flourish. It needs a certain amount of sunlight, or it needs to be in the shade. It needs to be where it can get this much water or that much water. You know, you need to plant it certain times of the year. And the, all those little things you have to factor in to if you want this plant to grow and flourish. You know, too much sunlight, you're going to choke it out. Not enough sunlight, it's not going to get the nourishment that it needs. Depending on the plant, there are certain things. Listen, as you nourish your kids, you need to understand them. You need to seek to understand who they are, know their heart, uh, know the things that they need in their heart. Understand that something that one kid needs may be different from what the other can, kid needs, but we have to understand you're trying to nourish them. If that makes, makes a difference in a plant, how much more is it going to make a difference in the, in the heart of a child? So the next thing we have is a matter of discipline. Verse 4 says, bring them up in the training. The bring them up in the training. Talking about the training of the Lord. It has the idea of discipline, okay? Uh, the idea of healthy discipline. Corrective discipline. Listen, listen. kids need mom and dad, grandma and grandpa. They need to learn boundaries in life. They, they need to learn that there are rules that they need to obey. And they need to... They need to understand that they're not the exception to the rule. Remember, I don't know if you remember, a, a few weeks back we talked about foolish people. And one of the things about foolish people and how they live is that they always think that they are the exception to the rule. Okay? We, we want to we love our kids. We need to uh, love them with corrective, positive and corrective discipline. All right? They need to be disciplined when they cross the line. Now, you can decide what that means for you and your house. Of course... You know, there are some in our culture that would say that we would be advocating for abuse. I'm not saying that at all. There's never, never, uh, never any room for any kind of abuse in a home, okay? But what I'm saying is that they, they need to have discipline. And, and it may be as simple as taking their cell phone away. It may be as simple as, as uh, sitting them down and having a conversation. Some kids, you just give them a look and they know you're disappointed and, and their little heart just melts. I mean, every kid's going to be different. Every family's going to be different. But they need to learn discipline. I, I'll tell you, as far as that's concerned, you don't ever want to discipline them out of anger. Okay? <laughs> try to be, try to get your head right. Think about it. Pray about it before you issue the, uh, the, the discipline. Okay? Uh, here's the deal. If they don't learn respect in the home, they're not going to have any respect for teachers, for principals. They're not going to have any respect for community leaders, future employers. The likelihood that they will have respect for the will of God will be a lot less. And the last thing we see is a matter of instruction. It says, bring them up in the training and instruction of the word. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the word. You want to nurture a heart? 
that is sensitive to the will of God, then you should nurture in them a love for God by nurturing a love for the Word of God. Listen, if you love and honor the Word of God, then chances are they're going to care about the Word of God. If you are praying, chances are they're going to learn to pray. If you bring them to church, and yes, sometimes you got to make them come. Sometimes you might even have to bribe them. I mean, I don't know. But if you bring them to church and they understand how much of a, how valuable that is and important that is to you, then the likelihood that they're going to learn that and implement that into their own lives is much, much greater. Survey of 400 active believers says, uh, says this, that 59% of them, 59% of them, attended vacation Bible school. 59%. 86% of them attended Sunday school. 86% of the people who are dedicated servants of the Lord Jesus Christ in adulthood, 86% of them came to Sunday school. Here's what Lifeway research found as common themes among parents who have successfully passed on the uh, their faith to their children, okay? It says that they typically were involved in these types of activities. They were involved in reading the Bible uh, on a regular basis, okay? They were involved with their families and taking part in service projects or going on a mission trip as a family at some point. They were involved with, these parents were involved with sharing their faith with unbelievers and their kids saw that and saw that it was real to mom and dad they were involved in encouraging their teenagers not just to go to church, but to find ways to serve in church. They were involved in asking forgiveness. When they, as parents, realized they crossed the line, they would go to their, their children and ask them for forgiveness, understanding that, uh, that there are times that we need to be forgiven. They were involved in understanding who their children were uniquely and encouraging their unique talents and interests. They were involved in taking regular and annual family vacations. They were involved in attending churches with teaching that emphasized what the Bible says. These little routines, these little things that you think really doesn't matter, no, it's, it's not going to save your kids. It's not going to save you. But if you are saved and if you really do love Jesus and you implement these little routines in your life, what that does is it shows your kids shows your community, shows your family that your faith is real. It reminds me of a little boy that came home from church. His daddy didn't go to church with him. Dad was tired. He didn't go to church with him very often. But a little boy went all the time with his mama, and he came home from church. And he says, Daddy, uh, today at church, they asked me if I want to go to heaven. They asked me if I, if I want to go to heaven when I die. And the daddy said, well, well son, What'd you say to him? And the little boy looked at him and said, I told him that I want to go wherever my daddy goes. I want to go wherever my daddy goes. Listen, listen, you have to understand, your, your kids will learn. They will learn uh, about God and how you live if your faith is real to you. If it's real in your marriage, if it's real in your home then the chances are that it's going to be real to them. If it's not, if it's not real, chances are it's not going to be real to them when they get older. Paul says, 
Don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Let's pray.